Hello and welcome to Grace Lutheran Church Sermon Podcasts. On this podcast, you will hear the latest sermons taken from our weekly worship service. Our hope is that you will find joy and comfort in knowing the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. It's a good thing we chopped that down from 23 verses, huh? Thank you, Carla. There we are. As I said before, our text today is the second part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This is a long sermon taking up two chapters in Matthew, chapter 5 through chapter 7, much longer than my sermons. The Sermon on the Mount begins with the Beatitudes. And since I did not preach last week, I want to speak a little bit about the Beatitudes. You know the verses. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek, who hunger and thirst for justice, who are merciful, who are pure in heart, who are peacemakers, who are persecuted, and who are reviled. Now, many people think that the Beatitudes are qualities that they must possess in order to be blessed. Yes, Lord, I hunger and thirst for justice. And I'm fairly pure in heart, at least my intentions are, and I try to make peace with even the most difficult people. So, I guess that means I am blessed when I do these things. Well, if you think this way, you get Jesus backwards. Becoming involved in social activism for justice neither blesses you nor qualifies you to be declared blessed. Likewise, you're not blessed because you strive for peace or because your heart and intentions are pure, nor because others persecute you, nor because you are meek or because you mourn. It's not your work that makes you and marks you blessed. Just like it's not what you do that works off sin's punishment to save you. You should neither, you should not expect that completing a checklist of items to do will render you blessed. No. Jesus declares you blessed. He says, blessed are you. No ifs, no becauses. It's your human flesh living under the law that hears these words in a different way when we say, blessed are those. It twists them into commands. You soon find out that you can never do enough. All is insufficient. You and I will never be declared blessed because of our actions. Here's Jesus' point in the Beatitudes. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for justice because here I am, in me, in Jesus, you have found justice. You are blessed because you belong to the kingdom of heaven. In me, you will be comforted. And in me, you will be satisfied. You will be shown mercy because of me. You will see God. And because of me, you will be called the children of God. Because that is what you are in Christ. It is your rootedness in Christ that gives you your blessed identity. 
your new identity in him. You abide in him, and he abides in you, as John would say in his gospel. So your blessedness starts in Jesus' action, born to save us from our sins, come to fulfill God's righteous plan of redeeming sinful humanity. He becomes sinner to share in our sin all the way to the cross, bearing our shame, bearing our guilt, and our punishment in our place, suffering death under God's judgment so that we might be blessed and called children of God. Be comforted, inherit the earth, belong to the kingdom of heaven, be satisfied, be shown mercy, and see God, as the Beatitudes say. Now, a couple of weeks ago, our gospel proclaimed this to those who dwelled in darkness and in the shadow of death, that a great light was about to come and shine on them, and that light is Jesus. And when we know Christ, we acknowledge our sins and we turn from them, as they did then. And they went to be baptized by John the Baptist. And as you turn from them, at the same time, you're looking and longing for Jesus to manifest this kingdom of mercy and grace, as did the disciples listening to Jesus. Basking in Jesus' light, he now says, follow me. And we too follow leaving our nets, leaving our fishing boats to follow. Because he has that for which we hunger and thirst. We are blessed in him. And so you follow him. You have a new heart that is pure. You live merciful. You live meek. You desire justice and truth. You want peace. All this because you live in Jesus. You're his child. And because of the new person that is you in Christ, your lives take on the character of being poor in spirit and pure in heart. The character of being humble toward God and meek and merciful toward others. It takes on the character of being peacemaker. All of this begins with Jesus, but it also finishes with Jesus. Jesus assures you that even if you're persecuted or suffer injustice or go hungry or are belittled, that the kingdom is yours. And in the end, you are chosen to be with God and blessed. Yours is the kingdom of heaven even now. And in the age to come, we will be fully comforted and satisfied. So it says at the end of our verses, so rejoice and be glad. Following the Beatitudes, then, Jesus continues his sermon, which is our text in the gospel for today. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Salt and light. Jesus now tells his disciples that they are salt and light. All of Jesus' followers are salt and light. You and I are salt and light. Well, what difference does this make in how we live? And what difference does this make to the world around you? Again, just as Jesus is our blessing and makes us blessed, so we are salt and light because of our relationship with him. Like in the Beatitudes, 
here too. You must ignore your human flesh, which sees salt and light as commands to do something. Jesus is not saying, hey, you be salt. Hey, you be light. He says you are. You are salt. You are light. Both salt and light in the Beatitudes are grounded in who Christ is and what he does for us and who we become as a result of being in him. In effect, Jesus is saying, since you're following me, you are salt and you are light. But he warns if salt has lost its taste, we don't like to think about that, do we? How shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, he says, to be trampled underfoot. If salt ceases to be salt, it's no longer useful. Agreed? I remember my dad, who lost his taste with Alzheimer's. We got, and he put salt on everything. So we got him this fake salt. One day we ran out of salt, and we used the fake salt. We did not eat that evening. It was horrible. He tasted it, and it was fine, but we did not. But if it, so if it loses its saltiness, it loses what is distinctive to its nature, salt. Useful because it preserves flavor, and when it stops doing that, it no longer is salt, what it's supposed to be. So if you and I are salt, we are useful to the gospel, to flavor the earth. As salt, do you have a particular taste? Do you have a particular flavor, a distinguishing flavor? You've been called and chosen to be an integral part of God's salvation recipe in history that gives enjoyable flavor to the world. And as salt, you too have a distinctive characteristic, that which makes you flavorful to the world, namely, faith in Christ. Faith in Christ sets you apart and makes you who you are. Lose faith or deny who you are in Christ, no flavor. Outside of Christ, you no longer are what he declares you to be in him. But live in Christ, that is the distinctiveness of faith as his children, and you have something to offer the world and the people around you that will give them true flavor for the rest of their lives. We are the ingredient they are looking for to make their lives delicious and worthwhile and eternal. You know, there are plenty of condiments in the world market that people use to try and improve the taste of their lives. Drugs, alcohol, the love of money, thievery, violence, you name it, no end to the list. But something is always missing, and they're never satisfied. But you have the ingredient they're looking for, Christ and your faith in Christ. Your faith flavors people's lives with Christ. It's synesthetic. What? Synesthesia is interesting. It's a condition in some people in which one type of stimulation evokes the sensation of another. Like when people hear a sound, it produces in them a visualization of color. To the point, you and I are salt, and we live so others might taste our faith in Christ. 
We offer them something delicious to chew on. Psalm 34 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, when you encounter troubled people who have lost their taste for life, you, your faith offers Christ as the only condiment needed to bring hope and new life. Let's face it. Living in this world is hell. And there ain't no salt in hell's kitchen. No faith, no hope, no love, no mercy, no peace, but there's plenty of persecution and hunger and thirst for justice. So what do you have to do? Listen closely. You assault them. You assault them with your faith in Christ. Offer him as the ingredient that they will find nowhere else because, let's face it, only you can offer it. It may be their last chance to find that missing ingredient before dying of starvation. That's why Paul writes to the Colossians in chapter 4. He says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Make the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Your faith is shared through your words, and your words are seasoned with salt. It's the same thing with being light. As the second part of Jesus' verse continues, Jesus is, of course, the light of the world. He is the light who shines in the darkness and gives life to all. We cannot generate our own light, and we cannot give life to anyone, neither to ourselves, but having received the light of Christ, now we reflect and radiate that light to others because of who we are in him. So if others might taste your faith and desire Christ, so too let them see the face of Christ in your reflected light. There's an interesting illness called prosopognage nausea, that word I recently took pleasure in learning from Oli, a word that's never used Prosopognosia, it means face blindness. It's a sickness. People who experience prosopognosia cannot recognize a person by their face, not even their own when they look in a mirror. It kind of gives a new meaning to the word faceless. To turn a phrase, they know a name, but they can't put a face on it. People living in darkness have prosopagnosia. They do not know, nor have they seen, the face of Christ. They have not experienced living in his light. Sinful flesh does not know the face of God. They are unable to recognize it or pick it out in a crowd. But you and I know this face. And we conclude every worship service with it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. What is this face of God? The face of God that shines upon the world is your love, your forgiveness, your encouragement, your commitment, your endurance with them. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you are salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That is who you are in Christ. Jesus makes it so. Embrace and live your identity as Christ's disciples. 
Go cook in hell's kitchen and make God's face shine through you. Amen. To know more about Jesus and our ministry at Grace Lutheran Church, please find us at www.gracealoneonline.org. You'll find additional sermon podcasts and your favorite podcast channel every week at www.gracealoneonline.org forward slash sermons.